Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of the Sample Hour, thank you again for tuning in to another great episode. Um, before we get started with this episode, though, I did want to do a little bit of promoting. So um, on January 2nd, um, there's going to be another High on Trees show. At uh, This time it's going to be at the Underground. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be helping out uh, our good friend Joe Rangatan. Um, the stand-up comedian is going to be podcast friend, Mr. Aaron Kleiber. Um, so you guys can pre-order tickets if you go to ticketfly.com and just search for Aaron Kleiber and you'll find it. So you can pre-buy, pre-order some tickets. Um, if you, um, are wondering, it's at the Underground Cafe and Social Club and that is on Queen Street East in Toronto, Ontario. So anyways, guys, please come and check it out. It's going to be Friday, January 2nd at 9 p.m. Please come and join us on this episode of The Sample Hour. I had the opportunity and pleasure to have Mr. Brett Finant on once again. Um, had a good time uh, just talking about kind of, uh, I guess, kind of developing your own voice and your own philosophy um, and, and, just, and just, kind of, just kind of along those lines. So we, we talked quite a bit about... Uh, a lot of different topics. Um, so this is going to be part one. So we were going to do a part two. Um, so this one kind of ends abruptly because we, we did talk for a little bit more and then we get cut off and we just, Brett and I decided just be easier if we just release episode one and then uh, we were going to record again and I got ill. So we couldn't record. So we're probably going to link up again after new year's and do the second recording. Um, and that's pretty much it, guys. So go to uh, schoolsucksproject.com. Go to and uh, go on iTunes if you listen to your podcast on iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe to the School Sucks podcast. So it's a, it's one of my favorite podcasts. Very educational. There's always good stuff on it. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And thanks again for listening. Sample Hour. I am honored and and it's truly a pleasure for me to have the host of the School Sucks podcast. Go to his website, schoolsucksproject.com. Um, this gentleman is an inspiration. So I think a lot of people that who do what we do, because he's he's always putting out good content. Um, it's always thought provoking. And uh, yeah, it's just an honor to have you. And today I'm going to say your name correctly. And thank you for not correcting me the last time. But <laughs> I, I kept, didn't even notice. I kept I saying, I kept saying Brett Vignette, Vignette, and I'm like, you know, I'm looking at the way your name is spelled, and then you said your name in the podcast. I'm like, why the hell did I read it that way? So I've heard it pronounced so many different ways that maybe I just don't even notice anymore when people say I've just accepted like a dozen wrong pronunciations that are close enough. <laughs> so. Brett Vinat is back here on the podcast, and I said it correctly that time. Correct. Indeed. Um, so, Brett, hey, thanks for coming back on the show. I had a, a great time talking to you. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, um, not only just to talk to you again, but um, we were kind of talking before the show, but, um, you know, something that, that I noticed a lot, like, you know, when I went to, um, you know, just, just interacting with people in the community and also just kind of hearing people talk, and it's... And it's something I even went through as well. Like I, like every, like anybody who who started out listening to my podcast knows I used to be a huge Death Squad fan. And then mm -hmm. I've talked a lot about people just kind of parroting Joe Rogan. But it happens, I think, like with anything. Like when you become like kind of like a a voice, or where you have your own voice and you develop your own voice, like that that tends to happen. Like you know, you're gonna you're gonna influence people because like you people, I think, kind of see. They, they envy the fact that you 
you have a, a worldview and you have an opinion and you and you're not and you, you have the courage to express it. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And they see like a lot of the work is already done for them, right? Because uh, you've kind of put things together. I know I've felt that way uh, about certain people in the past, you know. And it's like, wh- what room is left for me to expand upon or improve or, you know, make this uh, make this my own? It's like you know, philosophy is kind of a tricky thing and it has rules and it has, you know, these, uh, various, um, oh my goodness, why am I blanking on, on what they're called? Um, branches, right? So it's, it's a, it's a pretty rigorous study. And if you can find somebody and you, you understand what like a scientific methodology is, what sound, uh, means of investigation are, then sometimes it, it is easier when, when you're new to something and you know nothing to trust somebody else because they appear to have uh, a sound methodology. Um, it's not like that won't always prevent disappointment. <laughs> you know, I mean, you might wind up being led astray here and there by some people that you trust. It's, it's happened to me in the past for sure. It happened to me just recently, uh, actually, uh, I did want to ask you though, Drew, when you when you say people parrot Joe Rogan, I find that interesting because I've listened to Joe a lot. I really like his podcast. I really like him, and I think he's got a lot of great things to say. But he doesn't, from what I've heard, he like doesn't seem to be terribly consistent. You know, like yeah. And that was actually one of the things that I liked about the show, and that was one of the things that I realized was one of the strengths of my show. Um, was that he's an investigator. You yeah. know, he's, he's a learner. I mean, he has people on his show that he can learn from. And because of that, it doesn't seem like he's really pushing a consistent philosophy that he has ownership over. You know what I mean? So when, when you say people parrot him, what do you mean by that? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, not a problem. So what I mean, um, so being like in the death squad community, I don't, and I'm not trying to bash anybody either because I did it too. Mm-hmm. But it was like, it for me, it was like a really freeing thing because it like, when I first started listening to it, like I wasn't like, I always questioned things, but I was kind of like in a lull. I was kind of like at a bottom. And then I started to question things because I was listening to, to Joe Rogan. And then it was like, I was just like, I like this. So, and I agree. So like a lot of times what I mean by that is people will listen to stuff on the podcast and a certain point of view will get presented. But there's not a lot of like, so there's the point of view from the podcast, but then a lot of times people will listen to that and they'll take, they'll, they'll own that perspective without actually, you know, doing the research as to why they believe that or what, but because somebody else has conviction, they'll have conviction. Does that make sense? So there's been a, it's been a few things like, um, one thing like for me personally was, uh, like, and so, okay. So Rogan is very much so for marijuana, um, legalization, drug legalization, everything else like that. But when it comes to actually like, you know, the idea of removing the government, like, like he's not really like, he comes really close to it, but he's not necessarily saying like, oh, we should get rid of it all. So I've had a lot of listeners or friends that I've interacted with and it's, it's scary for them when I say, well, you know, I don't, I don't really believe that we should have government like personally like that's not like i i don't think like i think you know we should locally just kind of handle things on our own and um so for for sometimes people get really scared and they'll they they'll it's like and i'll start to see it like it's like like there's like an argument that almost like they want to you know kind of start with ad hominems but it doesn't always happen and because i can kind of dissolve a situation and just say no we're just discussing this idea here and I think so. So what? I, so for me, like it, it's it's like a lot of people take that same argument though of well, if if government wasn't there, then crime would just be crazy and everything else like that. And and when I explain to them, like, well, and that's the same thing that people say about drugs. But mm, if you yeah. look at Portugal, that's not the truth at all. So so like that's kind of what I was saying. Like more so, like um, government was just an example. But there's other things too. Like I think like. What I really like about Joe Rogan is the same thing you were saying is he's really good at investigating, introducing ideas for you to kind of research on your own. Like, yeah. like I, there's, it's kind of very topical. It's not, it's not like when I look at like a topic on your podcast 
and you go really kind of in depth and you'll, you'll cover it. And it's like, you'll keep asking questions and asking questions and asking questions. And it will be like a whole series. Now they're different. They're, they're different kinds of podcasts, but, um, for the same like sense though, like, um, I think like it's, it's really like the same idea with, with Ayn Rand. Like a lot of people will just kind of say the gospel of Ayn Rand or the gospel of Murray Rothbard, but it's like, well, what about you? Like, what do you think? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple of comments on on some things you said. I mean, it, it was interesting. Like, I remember when I started the show, I don't know why it didn't occur to me that, like, just because I had a podcast, I didn't have to know everything. Right? <laughs> yeah. and, and maybe it was part of my experience was, you know, I had spent so much time at the front of a classroom where the basic setup of that environment is that I'm supposed to have all the answers. And because I was influenced by, you know, people who had taught me in college, I didn't bring a lot of humility to that job. You know, like I would, I would like to have a discussion with students and I would invite discussion, but in the end, uh, you know, I knew where I wanted the conversation to go and I was going to bring it back to where uh, I needed it to go. So I think that maybe there were some leftovers of that when I started the show. And especially now, because I was t- going to be talking to so many people, there was this, this expectation for myself, really, that everything had to be figured out. Um, when I started the show, uh, I, I had been really influenced by uh, Wes Bertrand, who's a super smart guy and you know really speaks with uh, a great deal of confidence and clarity uh, on on his podcast, which I was consuming at a regular basis. I was even working with him a little before I started my show. Um, I had dabbled in the world of free domain radio a little bit, but it wasn't until uh, I had a conversation with Steph. He interviewed me for his podcast in 2009. I started really getting into his work and I found that I was like, you know, I, I felt like, oh, this is what I need to be. And these are the things that I need to talk about and I think there was a risk with, you know, the, uh, this uh, high level of consumption. I don't want to call it overconsumption because obviously I benefited greatly from, you know, all the free domain radio that I was listening to in 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, but I felt like I was at risk of kind of losing my own voice just yeah. because he had such a command of everything that he was talking about. And he, you know, he had great ways to explain things. He was fantastic with um, metaphors. And there was a period in the early going of the show where for the sake of the school suck show, I was probably over consuming uh, free domain radio. And when I backed away a little bit, I, my, my own voice kind of came back and started to develop. I mean, that input from listening to staff was very valuable but um, I, I remember somebody saying to me, like in 2010, like, you know, you're starting to sound a little bit like Stefan Molyneux. And I didn't like that, right? Because yeah. I, I wanted to be that good, but I didn't want to be like uh, doing, a, you know, like a tribute podcast. Yeah, it's like, do you want to be a cover band or do you want to be a band? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I totally get what you're saying. You know, the other thing too, when talking to people about government, and I'll try not to make this a super tangent, one thing that I learned is that, you know, no government or getting rid of the state isn't a place to start just for people who might be new to these conversations. It's kind of like the place to finish. Um, I realized that when I started talking to people about, you know, current events or political issues, that I would want to try and take them through libertarian principles, you know, self-ownership, non-aggression, property rights, and not really trying to trick them, but get them to agree with me, I guess, without knowing where I was really going, what my destination was. And people would usually do it. And I found that that momentum of agreement was more helpful than just saying, well, I think we should get rid of the state or even part of it, or get, even get rid of like the Department of Education or something like that. To, to have them recognize that, you know, this foundation of principles there's a lot more common ground there than than people actually think. But once it's put into that that exclusively political context, I mean, that's a place where people go 
to be enemies. That's a place where people go to be angry and to fight with each other. So it's harder to get things done once you're in that context. But if I could sense that like a political conversation was about to develop, I would try to take it back to first principles and then, you know, move towards the conclusion if people wanted to go there. Oftentimes they don't. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's easier. I mean, it's it's uh I mean it's really so like something like being in sales for as long as I have, like and I think, you know, people are slimy sales. There's a lot of slimy salespeople, but when it's done correctly, I mean like, you know, you wanna there's a direction where you wanna go and you want them to lead the way. Well, you're leading the way, but they're they're actually you're like guiding them, but they're actually leading the way, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, so even with ideas, when presenting your ideas, like I think that's really important, like sales sales skills or anything to do, I mean, leadership in general. And um, and I agree, um, like uh, like usually if, like you said, it it's not, uh, it doesn't always go there. But yeah, it's, it's definitely instead of like, you don't want to be in a fight. Like you don't ever want to be in a fight. You always want to have it be kind of like an even flow conversation like you don't want yeah. it to be like just like a waterfall <laughs> and well, i think step one of building of, of sales it's building, building rapport. rapport yeah mm-hmm. absolutely and and so i think like uh i mean that, that it makes a bunch of i mean that makes a lot of sense but i think like a lot of time like you know whenever you get new information in general and it's it's like you you just want to fire hose people with information <laughs> <That's> so true <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely no i i remember those days and for me it was like um, Free Talk Live was another big influence for me. So, you know, it seemed like those guys really knew their stuff and every caller who disagreed with them was an idiot. So I felt like uh, uh, I was ready to uh, do that kind of presentation with uh, the political people that I knew. And, uh, you know, that was probably... um, uh, that that was probably uh, damaging to a lot of relationships beyond repair as far as maybe not like the whole relationship, but as far as getting them to take me seriously about certain things. Like I know there's some people that I used to interact with a lot on political matters that they don't want to hear anything that I have to say anymore, you know, because if I'm right about anything, it's like a huge threat. Uh, so that's too bad. I wish I had had known better strategies at the time where, Um, You know, I was first like really motivated about these things where I really wanted to fire hose people with the truth. Um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's something that we tried to build into the show later on. I mean, I wish I had known to do it sooner and maybe someday I can organize, um, you know, all of our content in more of a curriculum format where the communication stuff comes much earlier, you know than the uh, political stuff. I think that would be beneficial to a lot of people. Yeah, I think the weird thing is, though, it's like the political stuff that actually like drives you to want to do something. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I like, totally agree. like you have to learn it that way because then it's like, like, because there's, there's a time where you're just sitting there and you're like, I don't understand why people aren't understanding what I'm saying. And it's mm. like, why is this not as obvious to me as it is, or to them as it is to me? And a lot of it is, I mean, not, I mean, some people just don't want to, take their head out of the sand and other people though i mean you know they they don't care i mean and so it's just like you know the sooner you realize most people don't care you're like oh okay they just want to watch their tv or have their everyday life and not necessarily think about what's actually happening so then though then you just then you kind of realize and it's like it's interesting too because you think about it like because in a way it's very similar to like evangelicalism whenever you learn something and mm-hmm. so it's like eventually like a, an evangelical Christian will, will probably realize that, you know, if I just live my life a certain way, people are way more likely to to want to interact with me or realize, why is this guy always happy? Why is this guy always doing this? Or why is this guy always doing that? And I think it's like the same way for us. I mean, it's like, you know, when people think of the word anarchism, like there's a very bad connotation attached to it. And, um, so I think like, you know, if, if we present ourselves in a certain way to people, then they'll be like, oh, that guy's an anarchist. He's like the nicest dude though. I can't believe like don't anarchists just want murder in the streets and stuff like that. And it's like, no, no, not, not really. (laughs) So it's, it's like, it's also, so you're always going to overcome like that, that, that predisposed thought about what, what something is. So, yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's really true. And I, once I was over the initial anger and excitement, I realized how important that was. If 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 you see yourself as having some kind of role as a, a communicator or a teacher, and I mean, I learned this from you know looking at teachers when I was a student who wanted respect, and I'd kind of size them up and be like. Why do you think <laughs> that respect would be automatic? But I also remember periods in my own teaching career where, you know, I was really faking it. Like I talked about this in an earlier show, like this facade of command and confidence that that just wasn't there. Uh, and then like thinking back, like how much more effective I could have been if that stuff was actually genuine. And then, you know, a lot of the people who were in, uh, you know, supervisory positions or leadership positions over the kids in the schools that I worked, um, they were wearing their troubles often on their sleeves and the kids could see that. And, you know, that, so that was like, yeah, if, if you aren't really, I don't know if I want to say worthy of respect or treating yourself or behaving like you're worthy of respect, you're you're not going to get it. And I think it's just as applicable to trying to teach people this, this philosophy. Um, yeah. You know, especially like when, when you're maybe a bit younger than a lot of the people who are interested in these subjects. And like the first question is, how old are you? You know, so there's <laughs> one strike against you right there. Um, yeah, I mean, really presenting as if you have what they want or at least what they respect uh, that's that's a very important part of the the whole communication for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to think about like I don't know, and I'm sure you've noticed this too. We kind of talked about it last time. Like as we're doing this weird thing called podcasting, when mm -hmm. you know someday our grandchildren are gonna go back and they're gonna listen to Drew and Brett talk about procrastination on the first podcast, they'll mm -hmm. be like, oh, mm -hmm. oh. But it's just like it's interesting though because we don't know our relatives per se, and I'm not trying to veer off too much, but it's like, it, like to kind of like get back into this, but I just, I don't know, for some reason, Brett, my mind just went down that, that thought there. Um, but like, uh, like for us, like with, with, with doing the podcast and like, like, so that being aside, because it is kind of like a weird, this is still like, I guess a new art form, but like you listen to yourself a lot. Like you go back and you <laughs> yeah. listen to yourself and you're like, what the hell was I talking about? Like I actually, like I started listening to like, I'm trying to build my website and I always like, I, I don't know. It's like this frustrating thing for me. And then eventually I'm just going to look at it and be like, Oh, why was this so hard for me? But like I was listening to the first, my first episode. Cause I was trying to figure out a way to like post it on there. And I hear me talk in my introduction and everything. And it was like my very first podcast. I'm like, man, like that's a, a totally different guy than what I am today. Like it's such a weird thing. To like mm, yeah, to, to go yeah. back and like think because like when when I hear you talking about like faking it till we're making it sort of deal like mm. that's that's really what you're always doing because you're like when you're when you're trying to get started you're always terrified because the unknown is just absolutely the scariest thing in the world and mm. then like you start to walk through that unknown door and you're like oh you know it's it's not that bad and then you're like okay well what am I doing like that's what I was doing so I had no idea what I was doing. And then it's like you just kind of keep moving and moving and moving. And then it's like, OK, like now I'm I'm me like it's like a, it's like a now I actually have this like have a voice. And it's like a weird thing to think about, like, OK, so people listen to me all the time. That's kind of strange, but I like it. I like doing this. It makes me feel good. So I'm going to keep doing it. Um, if, if that whole podgepodge of ideas made any sense, Brett, I hope it did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, uh, I, there's times where I, I've actually started to contemplate this project of going back to my earliest stuff and trying to clean it and enhance it somehow and turn it into video. And right now, this is like in the someday maybe folder. This <laughs> yeah. is not like a serious active project. But I thought, you know, for, for a YouTube audience, what re seems to resonate there with, with most people who consume media there is this kind of energy and maybe even an anger and an acerbicness 
that and, and you know with the the anger and acerbic stuff i just don't really feel like i have that anymore you know and i go back and listen to that and i'm like where's that where's that coming from or where did that go <laughs> you know yeah. i mean i don't want it back i feel like i i outgrew that and i think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier you know with the angry fire hose um, yeah. but in the beginning i had that you know and I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think like, I wish, sometimes I wish, no regrets, but sometimes I wish I had just waited till, I don't know, like 2011, 2012 to like really process all this stuff and really like maybe talk through it on my own, maybe into recordings, maybe not. Uh, I mean, I started recording myself talking because I was kind of planning the whole School Sucks thing as like a documentary. So I, I, I would record myself in GarageBand uh, just like talking through a treatment of what a documentary would be. And I would drive around and listen to it. And after I'd heard it twice, I was like sick of it, you know. Um, but I, maybe I, I, I wish I had done that more, you know. I wish I had spent more time doing that. So when the show actually started, uh, I had like a whole curriculum or a whole plan better organized. And I knew how to say uh, or, or to say things and express ideas in a way that would uh, attract more people or, or retain more people. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the fence about that. Like, was that old stuff really good? People seem to like it, help us build an audience. It got us a lot of, uh, um, you know, positive attention, but, I wish I had known what I know now then, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, that's, I think that's like everything in life, <laughs> like any, <laughs> Shit, any, right? any bad relationship, like anything, like yeah. I think like, I think the healthiest way for us to look at podcasting is just like to kind of go back what I was saying, like our grandkids and stuff can listen. Like we're really archiving our lives and our thoughts and what's weird is now we have a platform where we can interact with people and people can hear our thoughts and we don't, it's not just like writing letters, like, you know, like somebody, somebody I was writing, um, I was reading this guy's thing and he's like, I'm a writer and without an audience, there wouldn't be much to my writing. And it's kind of like the same thing. Like we, we, we have these thoughts and because we know people are listening, there's this pressure on us to want to continue to improve our thoughts, continue to rid ourselves of contradictions or continue to, to like look into different philosophies and add them to who we are as people and add them into our growth as human beings. And, and it's like, so we're always going to look back at episodes and be like, man, why did I, why did I think that way? Like that was silly. Or why did I say that? That was pretty dumb or whatever, you know? And it's just like, uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of always going to, I feel like we're always going to do that. And it's, so it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I always kind of try to look at like podcasting. It's just like, it's just, it's like, uh, you know, I want to, I want to express some ideas and then I kind of want to let them go or like, I'm going to keep taking them with me and it's going to help me have this consistent worldview. But this one topic that really made me like lean towards this worldview, I just going to get a, get this angry fire hose out of me and then I'm going to let it go. So then I don't have to go around to all my friends and family and just wear them out. And then I can just put it out on the internet and hopefully other people will like what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, it goes back to like when I, when I started and I wanted the presentation to be, I mean, even if I never really like was conscious of this, I wanted the presentation to be like, hi everyone, I'm a know-it-all. Yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> you're about to learn a whole bunch of shit. But then I, I met, I talked to somebody who said they discovered the show and they consumed all of it. This was, this was um, maybe like a year and a half ago. So there wasn't quite as much. But they said, yeah, I consumed all of it in like a month and a half. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, how, how is that? You know, because I mean, I've, I've been working on it for five years. You know, it's spread out over five years for me. What is it like? for you, listener, packed into like 40 or 50 days. And they said, you know, you can really see a lot of like growth and change. And I was like, well, that's one of the nicest things I've ever heard. And there's a record of that. Yeah. You know? So now that, that's, that's why I said I was kind of on the fence about it because if this is, it, it's an educational show, 
but we're all always learners. So isn't that great that somebody can start from the beginning and get to episode, the, the, the one I put out today was 322, and they can see an evolution. They can see growth. They can see somebody learning. Um, so maybe maybe it was a good thing. But yeah. I, I think the only the only reason why I'm on the fence about that is because if you're asking for people's time, right, I feel like you should have something to offer them. And maybe maybe it's just like you're a funny guy, you know, and maybe for some people that's enough. I mean, I listen to podcasts where the hosts have really nothing to offer me intellectually, <laughs> but they're funny, you know, so I listen. But like to say, hey, this is an educational show, I really, really felt like there was a great deal of pressure for, you know, to, to, for people to walk away and say, okay, I learned something that, that was worth my time. Yeah, that makes and a lot of sense. I, because of that, I mean, I have a, a, a virtual trash can of dozens, if not hundreds of hours of stuff that I basically just started and didn't finish or, or threw away or cut out of shows or um, I, I, so, so much stuff. I just said, no, wait, this is not worth people's time. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's actually what I've realized by talking to you about this, Drew, is it's something I, I, I want to put more thought into. <laughs> Am I glad that I started when I did or should I have waited? As think, now I'm really on the fence about it. I think there's, you should be glad, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going on the you should be glad. Because, yeah. like, why you should be glad is because, like, it's it, it sounds weird that I'm not saying, like, everybody should do a podcast. But when you hear anybody start out doing anything, they're not going to be that great at it. But they're mm -hmm. still going to do it. And that's going to be inspiring to people. Like, you know, you know, he's not the best at it, but he kept doing it. And then he got a whole hell of a lot better. Now he's pretty awesome. So, and, and you could do that with anything in life. So, I mean, any skill, any hobby. So, I mean, I, th I think that's why, that's why I'm on team. You, good thing you started when you did. So, because, because it's, it's, it's an inspiration. I mean, like, cause you got to think like they saw that growth and then you think about in reflecting on your growth, what kind of growth they had. Mm, mm. Yeah, and and I just the only hang up I think is like I'm really protective of my own time, you yeah. know, and I think other people are too, and I think one of the reasons why I had that habit for so long was I was I just mismanaged my time, you know, so extraordinarily, <laughs> you know, I was just so bad at time management that if somebody else needed some of the precious time I had left, I'd be like, how dare you, you know, I'm already screwing up uh, the amount of time <laughs> that I have available in the day. And now you want some of it too. So I don't, I, you know, that was, and that was another great compliment that I received from my friend Carlos. He said, you know, you really seem like you respect people's time. Uh, that meant a lot to me. So I just want to make sure that the product that goes out is worth it for people and, and worth it for me. But I do like that idea too of, you know, of an, an evolution, an auditory evolution in the show. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, even just, even like, so one of my favorite series series that you've done are the ones with Thad. And like after we recorded, I went back and I started, I really like dug deep into those. And it's like, it's cool to hear the way your view changes while you're talking to Thad. Not that you take on all of Thad's views, but like, it's just a really good, inter like, exchange of ideas and it's like you know you guys have opposing views a lot of times or you and other people in thad do and it's it's cool because you guys are always civil um everybody you know people get along and it's actually really entertaining to listen to and super educational so i think like i, th I think that's like i think that's that's kind of like your whole show though like because it you know what i mean like it's it's very educational and and um and yeah, and I I agree. Like the whole thing with time. I mean, it's 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 uh it's like it's something that we all need to be more um we all need to be more conscious of. Like that's our most valuable asset, and that's why if you don't have money to give to the government, they take your time away. And then yeah. I mean, that's and so I think that's that's like and so I uh yeah I appreciate I I try to be respectful of time and I try to have a lot of value on my time and I, I try to just think about is that really a good way to spend my time whenever I do anything 
it's mm. uh it's interesting and it's like in the longer i've done this that's that's how it's been but um but yeah to get to get back to you brett um yeah that that's uh it's interesting man it's it's interesting to to hear um it's interesting to hear your thought process because your your show is very like when i when i listen to it and like it's and it's different too like i'm not i don't have the time to put in that i wish i could like but there's mm. certain times i'll go back i'm like I'll listen to an episode. I'm like, you know, what would be cool is if I would have done that with some video or something. I'm like, well, I'll, you can always do that later. So it's just yeah. kind of like one of those things. Um, can I ask you a question back to something that you said earlier? Yes, sir. Uh, I'm just curious. How did you observe my uh, changing views when I was when I was talking to Thad? Can you think of an example? It was. Uh, it wasn't necessarily changing views. It was like you were more open to hearing them. Um, yeah. Like that was mainly it because it was like Thad would say something. You even like commented on it. Like I think the thing about the the property property rights thing. Like I don't sure, yeah. I don't I don't necessarily agree with Thad. I see where he's going, and and Thad's a really good like arguer. I guess yeah. I would say like, but it was mainly like it was just like it was like you know um, it was like you know I don't agree with you, but I like talking to you so much. I just want to keep hearing what you have to say. Like that was yeah, kind of yeah. like, that was really what it was because that's like, that's an evolution within itself. Cause a lot of times, like if you have a, def, uh, an opposing view to somebody, you don't want to hear what they have to say. Like a lot of people just shut them down. Like, no, I, I, I already know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's, and even at certain things, like we get so set in like our beliefs that it's like, you know what, it, it's good to hear what somebody else has to say, even if they look at the world differently. And even if I don't agree with them, if they thought it out, you know, they've put time into think and what they're saying, then I actually want to hear what they have to say. Yeah. I remember like when I first started like seeking out people uh, who weren't going to agree with what I had to say uh, about education or about politics, you know, I wanted to find people that I could uh, bully and trick. <laughs> you know, that was like, I feel like that was what I wanted. Um, and I, I was really uh, glad the way, uh, you know, I was really happy about the way a lot of the stuff with Thad turned out because I felt like it was entertaining in that there were some jabs, but it was also uh, respectful. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I, I don't, I don't want people who are, I don't, I don't want to talk to somebody like Bill Maher. No. You know? I want to point out, I do, you know, I don't mind like pointing out why Bill Maher uh, is wrong or the logical fallacies that he is. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have people like that on the show. You know, I no. want, I want people like that who, who we don't see eye to eye, but are, are really, really challenging. And I hope I can find uh, more people like that. That was like, I, I really felt like that was one of the best and most beneficial things for me that I did was having him on the show. Not everybody loved it, but uh, I really, uh, I got a lot out of it. For sure. I enjoyed it. I think the whole self-interest thing, I think uh, was, was good. It was good to think about like that concept, like being motivated by self-interest in the sense that, you know, it's not for my best interest to go punch someone in the face that I don't like, even though it'd mm -hmm. make me feel good. But in the long term, like, what is that really going to do for me? Right. Like, so I, I think like, that's a bad example, but, um, I think like the self-interest thing, like being motivated by self-interest, like that was really something I hadn't really thought about. And it, and I think of anything, it just gave me like different ideas to think about that I hadn't like, Oh, I've never even thought about that before. Like, that's interesting. Yeah. I really integrated that phrase into, uh, you know, my larger philosophy more to, um, self-interest politics of self-interest. Um, now, Obviously, I couldn't take, you know, the whole package that he was trying to deliver philosophically because there were parts of it that, you know, I mean, I felt like I heard him out, but I just didn't, I just didn't really get the postmodern, uh, postmodernism, relativism thing. And it doesn't mean like, you know, maybe I've just um, retreated or dug in uh, too much where I am to, to really be open-minded about that, but I don't think I'm going there, you know. And he said at one point, I'm trying to turn you into a left libertarian. I said, I think I'm all set. I think I, I like where I am, you know, right now. Um, yeah. So I did, I definitely tried to be open-minded, but the, in addition to all the valuable history content that he provided, 
the the politics of self-interest is, you know, something that I understood, but it wasn't a phrase that I was just calling to mind enough, I think, in, in trying to explain certain things to people. Yeah. And I think, too, um, but it kind of goes back to, you know, like, you're not going to see eye to eye with that because you're not Thad. Mm, yeah. Like that's that, like that's his worldview. That's like, he's the sum of his experiences, everything else. And you're the sum of your own. And, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about previously mm. is you're your yeah, own, you're, you're your own human being. Yeah. Thad, the son of, you know, communist nudists <laughs> from Berkeley and me, the son of like conservative upper middle class people from New England. So, yeah, I mean, those are two vastly different uh, starting points. Uh, Thad spent a ton of time in academia. I didn't. He, uh, you know, grew up in uh, areas where he was a, a minority. Uh, all kinds of experiences by the ages of 10 for Thad and me. So different uh, in years that were so formative. Uh, that it's just it, it's it's great that we have this technology so um, there's those connections that can be made. I mean, otherwise I would have gone my whole life. I mean, I I lived until the age of 18 without encountering anyone who was like significantly different than me. <laughs> you know, that had like a, I mean, I grew up in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. So I never knew an Asian person or a black person or a gay person that I knew of. Uh, I never really knew anyone with a radical political ideology. Uh, I, I didn't encounter any substantial difference uh, culturally with regard to background or with regard to worldview until I was like 18, 19, 20 years old. And a lot of formation had already taken place, you know, by then. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the fact that I have a forum where I can talk to somebody who's so different um, and, and they'll give me what? I mean, what did he give me? 15 hours of his time when everything was said and done? That was yeah. awesome. It was good content, too. It, it, uh, I bought the book. I'm listening to his book right now. Um, it's really good stuff. There's oh, the a, guy who reads the audiobook is fantastic. He's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, he definitely is. I like his uh, his black voices and mm -hmm. his Victorian mm -hmm. voices and everything else. Like maybe not Victorian, but I'm probably summarize that something wrong from history. But he does like the the fancy white voice and then his his uh, slave black voice and all that other stuff. So he's yeah, he's a Shakespearean actor. Yeah, he's pretty impressive. It's it's a uh, that's what's cool too is like you know it's it's like there's always. I think too with that too, like that struggle of Puritanism and hedonism, like that that made a lot of sense to me too. Like that really kind of, it kind of that really shook things up. Like for me personally, like I'm like, oh yeah, I totally see where he's coming from with that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but that that was an idea, but like I think so. Like like when you when you talk about like kind of like shaking things up, like I think it's cool that people really are consuming audiobooks now. Like maybe they're not reading books, and a lot of people that read books like kind of like you know look down on people that listen to content but it's like man they're different learners like it's not it's kind of a weird thing but like you know it for me it kind of goes back to like his you know we talked about doomsday porn before um on the last podcast but you know things really are getting better like i think people really do are, are getting sick of of cable television and everything else like that and they're looking for different ways to enter to to entertain themselves Oh yeah. So that's yeah. what's what's cool for for guys like us. Like we can go in there and we can say, yeah, on demand content. Here you go. Um, so I'm not I'm not quite sure where I was going with this thought, Brett, but uh, just trying to tie it into something there. But I, I think like uh, you know audio books and everything else like that. Um, I think like it, it's it's exciting because I think like you know when you do educate yourself and you do do that, like it does kind of prop yourself up to to saying, okay, this is, this is me. Like, I, I, like, I, I feel like for me personally, like I regurgitated enough people and then I was like, man, I don't want to just regurgitate people. Like I want it to be me. Like I want to have my own view. So, um, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I think it kind of it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show too. So let's just use staff as an example again. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking across the room here at like two bookshelves filled with books, and I'm I'm trying to remember the last time I was holding one of them and reading it cover to cover. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I I feel like I read all the time, and I'm consuming. You know, I'm looking for new information and consuming it in one form or another all the time. But, uh, you know, going back to trusting somebody else's work and, and respecting and trusting their work because you respect their methodology because they've laid their methodology out. Um, I could use Steph as an example. I could use Wes as an example. Um, these are people who've been studying this stuff 20 years longer than me, you know, yeah, uh, 10 years my senior who, uh, and, and they've done so much of the work that it's tempting to just say, yeah, what that guy said, you know, I had, so, so this is something else that I've been working through, um, on the show recently in like a kind of audio diary. Uh, I was making another video in the John Taylor Gatto series. And, um, I was actually talking to my friend, uh, Tony Myers, who's been on my show a bunch of times about this yesterday. And there was this passage that I was re recording the audio to, to use as the, you know, the monologue for the video, essentially. And in the end of it, he quotes this thing from the Trilateral Commission, right? And I was like, no way they really said that. No way. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, um, I, I, and Gatto has, there, I've, I've always trusted his scholarship, you know, because it lines up with things I've learned elsewhere. And he just seems to have like all these additional layers of, of detail that, you know, really make the story more complete. And, and I think he's a good writer. And I think it's, you know, it's entertaining. And it's just, he's, he, he, he really, he doesn't just like, people have accused him of just like saying things like John Gatto. I mean, we did a show about this once, but he just like says things, where are his sources? But there are so many footnotes in this book and he's, you know, talking about uh, this book and quoting this book and, you know, explaining all these uh, different people and how they connect. But there's this one passage that just got me. And uh, you want me to read it to you? You want me to just uh, sure. read, read you both of these? Yes. All right. So at the end of the, um, the video that I was uh, making, he says, uh, let's see. I'm, you know, I'm trying to find a good place to start here. A trilateral, let me read you the whole paragraph just so you get a little bit of context. Once privy to those, to, I, sorry, I'll start again. Once privy to ideas like those entertained by Inglis Conant, Ulich and Kochnig, uh, most contemporary public school debate becomes nonsense. If we do not address philosophies and policies which sentence the, sentence the largest portion of our people to lives devoid of meaning, then we might be better off not discussing school at all. A trilateral commission report of 1974, Crisis of Democracy, offered with some urgency this advice, quote, a program is necessary to lower the job expectations of those who receive a college education, unquote. Now, I said, why the hell would anyone say that? <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> you know, like maybe that's something that some people think, uh, you know, who are more concerned with kind of a collectivist social planning. A program is necessary to lower the job expectations of those who receive a college education. But because I was making a video, I said, maybe I could go and find a PDF of that crisis of democracy thing, that trilateral commission report. And for added emphasis, I could have a screenshot of it at the end of the video. And I also think in the back of my mind, I was like, did they really say that? Yeah, you know, it's in quotes. This. So did they really say that? So I found crisis of democracy, uh, a PDF. It was on the... Uh, where is this? Uh, this is just archive.org. And um, for context, I'll read you this. Um, it's talking about uh, education in the United States. 
In the United States, some retrenchment in higher education is already underway as a result of slower growth in enrollments and new ceilings on resources. What seems needed, however, is to relate educational planning to economic and political goals. Should a college education be provided generally because of its contribution to the overall cultural level of the populace and its possible relation to the constructive discharge of the responsibilities of citizenship? If this question is answered in the affirmative, a program is then necessary to lower the job expectations of those who receive a college education. If the question is answered in the negative, then higher education uh, higher educational institutions should be induced to redesign their programs so as to be geared to the patterns of economic development and future job opportunities. So Gatto was writing this book in the late 90s. I doubt he had easy access to this trilateral commission report. And what Tony and I surmised was that maybe he had gotten the information secondhand. Maybe there somebody had written an article uh, for like a newspaper or something, like an editorial, where it was like, guess what the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, or sorry, the Trilateral Commission said. And he took the quote secondhand. I don't think he was trying to be deceptive, but the, the entire point that I'm making, long story longer here, is that I was disappointed. You know, I was sad because this is somebody whose scholarship I had come to trust, you know, and, and had tested it before and had never been disappointed. But now I'm finding that that quote that's used that he portrays in the book as being advice is actually, when you examine it in context, a completely rhetorical question. Yeah. You know, so did, had he had never seen it, I, I don't know. And then I think about, you know, how just how susceptible to error I am, even when in times in the past I've felt certain that I was right about something. And I think, you know, this is the this is another thing that leads us to maybe, I don't know how you how you summed it up, to parrot the philosophies or the presentations of of others is that when your starting point is so little information, sometimes the answers can seem quite simple. Yeah. You know, like the example I gave was like learning to play the guitar. And I remember like learning five chords and saying, I should start a band, <laughs> you know, not yeah. knowing like, uh, you know, all of these, uh, that, that, that you, you know, when you get to the top of this little hill and then you realize where the, uh, you know, it, it's, you, you, you feel satisfied at first. Like I made it to the top of the hill but then you can see how far away the horizon actually is, you know, wh where you actually need to get to. So um, learning a little, uh, that was, somebody said that. So a little learning can be a dangerous thing, right? Yeah. Not that everyone should be stupid, but that only learning a little can be dangerous because the answers can look very simple, you know? And I mean, I've definitely been burned before. I have a long history of thinking that I know everything. I went to college, you know, <laughs> I, I studied history there. Uh, yeah, I had a very like left-wing professor. He was very certain of, uh, he was very certain that FDR and Woodrow Wilson were like the best presidents ever, you know? And I, and, and that, that's, I guess, another danger of that environment or the school environment generally. Uh, people seem pretty sure of themselves at the front of the classroom. I seem, I seem pretty sure of myself when I was standing at the front of the classroom. And uh, I got, I, I can't believe how many things I got wrong uh, comparing what I thought I knew then to what I actually know now. Um, and, and, you know, I, and now I'm, I'm much more confident because uh, I've, I have a method, you know, for trying to distinguish truth from falsehood. I didn't have it then. Uh, I was far too trusting of the experts. And, uh, you know, I got burned a lot. So this was disappointing to, to have something like this, this um, Gatto versus the Trilateral Commission experience that happened for me uh, at the end of last week. And I, I, like I said, I've been recording, um, you know, a, uh, a podcast about not this specific thing, but... Once I read this, there's another book that's discussed 
in this chapter called The Principles of Secondary Education by Alexander Inglis. And Gatto prevents it, uh, presents it uh, in a way that makes it sound quite malevolent in intention. So I went and found that original document and I tried to get a broader context uh, not, and, and also examine the time in which the author was writing and what his philosophy was and what his concerns were. And it, it changed a lot for me. And it was, a, it was a valuable experience to challenge myself in that way and to not be afraid to ask my, myself the question, what if I'm wrong? You know, I, I think that there's, there's a satisfaction that comes with feeling like we figured something out where it's like, ha-ha, and we close that book, you know, or, or we're too trusting or we're, we're too ready to parrot somebody whose intellect or scholarship uh, that, uh, that impresses us, you know. So good experience for me. Frustrating at first, but I think uh, making lemonade. Yeah, and, and I think, too, the thing to remember is that we're all just human. Like people are going to make mistakes. People, even if you, you try and it's like, we try to make these people more than just people. Like if that mm -hmm. makes sense. And, um, so I, I think that's, that's, it's like, a that's another thing to kind of add. Like, yeah, like it's deflating to know that somebody you look up to so much could have misled you. But in reality, it's like, okay, well he just presented some information. It's really my job to make sure what he's saying is factual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I, you know, I remember too that uh, even though I'm not going to become a progressive educational experimentalist, I, I have to recognize that I learned about progressive education and the progressive education agenda from um, people like uh, Gatto and people like Sam Blumenfeld and people like Charlotte Iserby and maybe a few others. And even though I'm probably never going to become a believer in Keynesian economics, I learned entirely about Keynesian economics from Austrians, you know, and maybe that path robbed me of some opportunities to think critically. You know what I mean? Like we say, who are, who are the experts yeah. that are maybe going to feed my confirmation bias. It doesn't mean that we're not going to arrive in the same place, but um, I, I, I do think it's important that we challenge ourselves, reading, reading the critics of what we believe and reading them actively. I remember it was like one of the best learning experiences for me when I first got some kind of importable MP3 device. I would listen to things I disagreed with and I would stop and I would try to like talk through them you know, or talk back at them, say, here's why you're wrong. Uh, I used to paint in the summer, so I would just be by myself at a job site. And I would just be on a ladder talking to myself, you know, pause and talk to myself for five minutes. Um, that was probably like the beginning process of starting the podcast too. Because, uh, you know, you can't just talk to yourself forever. No. You can do it once in a while. But. It's, it's okay to talk into like a device you're recording, but it's not okay to just talk to yourself like on a bus. <laughs> for some no, reason even though it's the same thing it's not the same thing <laughs> it's true that's a weird thing when you think about it it's like okay so it's it's like good idea bad idea you don't know who kill is i've been the fat kid sitting back in classes picked off from my glasses after you think i'm worried about a list getting pervy with my chick eating curry with the fish so trust me when I say the naysayers ain't the playmakers I don't play favorites, I don't save faces I'm not the one to play games when I play aces I'm the person that I pay favors And I'm not worried about them though I'm worried about my bills owed, my money short like Bilbo They tell me it ain't no way, can't fit in where the rest do it Fuck them, build something bigger next to it You gotta have a sense of humor in this comedy of airs Cause last last mean nothing man, nobody cares Pow pow, gunman leaving one man in pairs Literally split the difference of a man's affairs I feel like life's like freestanding stairs Watch your footing and you fall the pudding while your shadow stands and stares Lying on the floor, staring up at chandeliers Wonder if the 
Lord put me here And if he did and if he cares Learn about me over kicks from in between the snares In my heart and in between the ears Yeah, ignore pressure from your peers Life is a performance But you won't always see if the crowd cheers And nah, everybody's got similar types of fears You got a lot of overthinking Know it's hard to get the gears to stop turning Stop the sermon Hard determining the plot A lot of learning to get done and the clock's turning Oh, 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 oh